Hello, my name is Dr. Kelly Betts, and I'm the host of this collaborative podcast that we are lovingly calling Dental Squad. On this podcast, we are dentists joining forces to discuss everything from treatment planning, business, personal stories of success and struggle, and everything in between. Sometimes the only people who can truly understand what you're going through are those who have gone through it too. So if you have any specific topics, questions, or complaints, or ideas that you'd like us to cover on the podcast, feel free to contact us. Our information can be found in the show notes, and you can always email us at dentalsquad22 at gmail.com. For our first series of episodes, I'll be going through an introduction of who I am and where I currently am in my dentistry journey, and we'll also be meeting with my friend and colleague, Dr. Michael Sue, who is an amazing prosthodontist and who is graciously helping me get my first startup practice up and running. And let me tell you, that alone has been quite the adventure that could probably fill up a whole podcast. (laughs) Some of the episodes will literally be an audio brain dump from us as we've been working through the startup as kind of an audio diary. And then other episodes will be kind of more of an interview-slash-conversation type episode where we discuss various topics with not only our dental colleagues, but also with colleagues from other healthcare disciplines. I've recognized that some of the best cases I've worked on have been with a multidisciplinary team, so involving physical therapists, nutritionists, myofunctional therapists, and other providers, and I really look forward to sharing their knowledge and insight with you all. It really has augmented the way that I practice and treatment plan, and it has made dentistry even more enjoyable than it was before. We also look forward to sharing episodes that feature business and marketing gurus in our world, and truly anything else that you want to hear about. Feel free to contact us anytime to share your thoughts with us, and if you have any questions that you'd like to pose for our dental squad, we can feature it on the podcast and hopefully help you with what you're looking for. Yep. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get acquainted. So I'll go ahead and tell you my story, but with the help of my aforementioned good friend and colleague, Dr. Michael Sue. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Michael. How's it going? <laughs> good. Thanks for being here today. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> so as an introductory for myself, and you know, Michael's welcome to join in at any time, um, Michael and I met in dental school and have kept in touch ever since through residency and through our first associateships. So we'll kind of introduce ourselves Um, with each other kind of having a conversation as well. So, uh, again, my name is Kelly Betts, and I'm a general dentist right outside of Baltimore, Maryland. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and my dental journey begins at my alma mater at The Ohio State University. The the (laughs) The Ohio State University. I'm not one of those people that do that, though. Well, you went to Ohio, so you are. (laughs) Okay. That sounded very judgmental. (laughs) Um, So I started actually as a sterilization and dispensing technician at the Ohio State College of Dentistry in their student, like, pre-doctoral clinics. Um, I was actually, I was applying for their dental hygiene program in my freshman year, and I wanted to get my foot in the door um, and, of course, get a job to make money and, you know, pay for things. Adulting. Adulting, yeah. Adulting when I wasn't really an adult. (laughs) I was, like, 17. But So I applied for pretty much any entry-level position that was available, um, and that's what was available. So uh, during the day, you know, I would take my freshman general courses and my dental hygiene prerequisite classes, and then I would go to the College of Dentistry um, at night in the pre-doctoral clinics, and I would stock the entire building with gloves masks and Virex <laughs> so, when no one was in the clinic so it was just kind of like me and the one janitorial staff uh, 
for like hours. It was very creepy, and I was like, "Is this dental school?" When you like, said stock, I was like, "Is it S T O C K or S T A L K?" Oh yeah, I definitely stalked uh, some clubs. That's you know, how obsessed with dentistry I am. It, it's I wouldn't put it past you. So. <laughs> I do love dentistry. Yep. No, but so I would, yeah, I would stock uh, pretty much all their like PPE and stuff. Um, I was allotted like three or four hours to get the entire pre-doc clinic stocked up. And after I got into the swing of things, I would finish in like an hour and a half. So my supervisor would ask me if I would help out at the front desk um, for the night clinic, which the night clinic at Ohio State at the time served dental hygiene students from the local community college since their campus didn't have a clinic for their training. Um, And I really fit in with the team really well there at the front desk. You know, I'm pretty sociable. I, uh, I, I like to be very organized. I mean, you can't really tell that right now if you look at my office, but I do <laughs> to be That's why more we do organized. Audio. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's why this is not a video podcast. Um, but yeah, so it worked out really well. And then eventually my supervisor moved me to the front desk for all of my available work time and took me off stocking duty. So that was cool. I was like moving on up. Um, I worked at the front desk at the dental hygiene clinic and then also at the general practice residency clinic for the remainder of my time at Ohio State. So um, yeah, after my freshman year, I was accepted into their Bachelors of Dental Hygiene program. So I spent a lot of time in that building. Um, I spent too much time in that building. It was Postal Hall and I spent too much time in that building. (laughs) So I would have class and clinic all day. And then if I had a gap between classes, I would work the front desk and do whatever they needed me to do. And then I would return in the evenings to also do the night clinic for the dental hygiene students. So it was a little nuts. Um, At the time, I was also an RA in the dorms. And then I bartended and waited tables um, when I would have time, too. You just... Oh, my goodness. Okay. I feel really lazy now. Well, and I was thinking about this. I I honestly wonder how I did it. Because right now, I'm exhausted if I have to, like, walk up three flights of stairs and work a 10-hour day. No. You, you keep up that energy level really high. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it was a blessing of youth. Um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so that was a fun time. Um, but anyways, while I was in my dental hygiene program, I also chose to do their EFTA program there, um, which was really awesome. Uh, in Ohio, much like Pennsylvania, uh, EFTAs can place and finish and polish rest- restorations. So I took and passed my boards for both hygiene and expanded functions. And I graduated with my bachelor's degree uh, in Ohio State uh, in 2007, which was felt, feels like a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the same time, I had been applying to dental school. Um, and at that time, I really only applied to Ohio State because I didn't really explore or consider other options. You know, once an Ohio State person, you're always an Ohio State yeah, person. You're, that's the school for you. <laughs> Again, too much judgment over there. <laughs> um... But yeah, so basically I had a lot of connections in the dental school because of my work history and my good reputation as a hygiene and an EFTA student, but in all fairness, my grades and especially my DAT scores were not competitive enough at the time. So I was put on the alternate list. And of course, as like a 20 year old, I was devastated, which I look back on now and I realize how everything is just so catastrophic when we're young. Like I was. That's true. I just remember. Again, I mean, I a whole like, other podcast. A whole other, yeah. We'll we'll cover that later. The, <laughs> the blessings and the curses of youth. <laughs> but yeah, I was like devastated. But 
Um, I was fortunate enough to have worked with a faculty member at the dental school who had supervised me during one of my EFTA clinics. And she knew of a great local dentist who was looking for a new EFTA and she knew would be an excellent mentor for me if I still wanted to pursue dental school. Um, So let me tell you, I could not have been placed better. It was the right place and the right time for me. Um, At that office, I worked mostly as an EFTA with some hygiene here and there. Um, But with our ability to administer local anesthesia as hygienists in Ohio at the time, I kind of felt like, you know, the mid-level providers that some states will have, kind of like a nurse practitioner, but for dentistry. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of felt that way because I would, I felt very independent. I could seat the patient, do the vitals, get them numb. Literally, the doctor would just come in and prep and then she would leave. (laughs) I would do the rest. I would place the restorations, finish up. Um, If we were doing CEREC, I would design and everything. I just wouldn't cement the final crown. I mean, it was was great. I thought it was was awesome for me. Um, And she allowed me to be as independent as I could be and taught me everything from, you know, Remo to Invisalign to CEREC and all of that. So it really was the best way I could have spent those couple of years. And truly, I could have stayed and probably had a really satisfying career. Um, and that office, they really encouraged every team member to practice at the top of their license and had really great systems for as large of a group practice that they were. So um, even today, I keep up with them. And my best friend from hygiene school, who started there as a hygienist at the same time I started as an EFTA, is still there now. And she's currently the COO, which is like so cool. Just That's to great. see how, yeah. yeah. It was, it's cool, cool times. But yeah, that was really great. Um, loved working there. You know, as a young, at that time, it was between the ages of, like, 20 and 24. You make pretty decent money, like, right out of school. And I was, like, young and had money for the first time ever. And I was like, ooh, this is <laughs> this is really nice. Um, so during that time when I was working there, I had retaken the DAT uh, probably a couple times. I don't remember because re- repression is real. I don't remember how many times I retook the DAT. That's okay. But I did. Um, and I just, I honestly, I couldn't get quite up to the level um, to be able to like advance past the alternate list for Ohio State. Um, and honestly, at that time, I was starting to feel a little bit of like wanderlust, like as a young dental nerd. And I had started exploring options for other dental schools. So I had remembered I had worked with GPR residents from various schools when I was working the front desk um, at the clinics, and I had some great conversations with them. Um, I reached out to a couple that I still had contact with, and I remember distinctly a resident from Maryland, University of Maryland, um, that was truly the most prepared from like my limited perspective. Um, she was the happiest, she was the most well-rounded, and she spoke really highly of the program. So I decided to look into it, and I visited quite a few schools outside of Ohio State because I thought, you know what, if I'm going to commit, I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to really do my research this time and not just go on the default of going to Ohio State. So um, visited Maryland, really fell in love with it, and I really felt connected to the admissions faculty at the time, which is Dr. Andrea Morgan, which you remember. Oh, yeah. She was great. She's great. Yeah. Um, But it's funny because she went to Michigan. Yep. So (laughs) if you know anything about Ohio State and Michigan, I mean, we really shouldn't have gotten along. But we really did. And did I absolutely wait to tell her that I went to Ohio State? <laughs> yes, I did. But I <laughs> she, like, her exclusive colors were, like, blue and gold. Like, I don't think I really remember her seeing in any other outfits except those. <laughs> I mean, it's a, great, it's a great school. I don't know. It's a good color. <laughs> it's a great school, good color. Maryland's better. Just I mean, 
I'll, I'll accept it because there's some red in there. <laughs> Not scarlet. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was funny. So I connected with her and I got all excited. And of course I applied to Maryland and didn't even get an interview. So um, I followed up with Dr. Morgan about this and she and some of the other admissions faculty recommended that since I had been out of school for a few years, um, maybe I should enroll into some post-bac classes just to show that I can be more academically competitive and to boost my application. Um, They also said it would be helpful if I was local or in-state or if, quote-unquote, anyone knew who the heck I was. So (laughs) I was kind of at the point, like I said, I was making really good money in my early 20s and working a job that I really enjoyed. So it would have been way too easy for me to just stay and and I kind of recognized that I would stay I would get comfortable and I would never go to dental school so I had to make that hard decision to just kind of like cut and commit so I did like ripped it off like a band-aid um I applied to other graduate programs in the Baltimore and DC area that would kind of bulk up my education and application um and long story short um got accepted um into a couple programs, got a job outside of Baltimore, and moved me and my brand new husband, Matt, (laughs) to Maryland. Um, Again, the subject of a whole other podcast. Yes, the man is a saint. Um, And yeah, we should do a podcast about like our significant others and their sainthood. Yeah, yeah. That's actually not a bad idea. That'd be fun. (laughs) So when we got to Maryland, I worked at various offices as like a temp hygienist, um, I worked at the local hospital and their cancer center, and then I finished my master's in cell molecular biology, which took me just a little over a year. Um, I had also secured a great contracting position as a research hygienist um, at the National Institute of Dental and Craniofacial Research at the NIH, mm-hmm. um, which was cool. I mean, I was kind of completely out of my realm, but I was like surrounded by people that were smarter than me, which was amazing, and we. Um, worked with different projects that were researching, you know, graft versus host, perio disease in patients with immunodeficiencies and genetic disorders, uh, Bichette syndrome, uh, medically related osteonecrosis of the jaw, just all the stuff that I didn't have exposure to before. So that was super cool. Um, and of course, during this time, I'm again um, applying to dental school. <laughs> and what I describe as the Great War of Attrition. I finally wore down all of the admissions committees across the entire region, and I was accepted into all of the schools that I had been applying to um, over the past five years. So, um, of course, I felt very proud of myself, and I chose Maryland, which is where we met, Dr. Sue. Yep, yep, yep. Which is so great. Um, yeah, so uh, dental school was what dental school was. I feel like that will also just be another podcast where we'll have to just figure that out um but we made it through dental school and then after that I did a one-year general practice residency at the VA hospital in DC um I always recommend a good GPR just to to every student I talk to basically in my opinion it's the best transition into the profession where you can truly hone your skills before you're set free into the wild uh dental school is like what it is and it typically is just not enough to get a young dentist truly prepared and proficient enough to see their own patients alone, in my opinion. What are your thoughts, Dr. Sue? Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's there's so much growing that happens in that, that first year or two out. Yeah. And it's better to do it with someone kind of looking over your shoulder rather than, uh, Oh yeah. you know, just not killing people. <laughs> yeah, not killing people would be great. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so after residency, I worked as an associate at two offices. One was mostly fee-for-service, and one was a corporate office. And again, it was a really great experience. The fee-for-service practice was actually one that we had been preparing for me to purchase, possibly. And that was an interesting experience, which I think will also be another podcast episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, when you're in that mindset of potentially purchasing a practice versus the mindset of like simply being an associate, your perspective is really different and it becomes a little more invested and serious, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, I had the attorneys and the accountants do their thing with all of their assessments and appraisals. And after being there for about nine months, long story short, it did not work out. Um, and unfortunately, it really didn't work out. In fact, I actually think I have a little PTSD from that entire experience. Uh, oh, wow. Another, another comment. <laughs> Ma'am, we're creating content all over the place. Um, but yeah, I was lucky to find another associateship and then another and another. And um, I joke that I was like the traveling gypsy dentist for a while. Um, but I knew I wanted to get into ownership and I didn't want to repeat what had happened at that first sale that fell through. Um, so I was now more aware of ways that I had let myself be taken advantage of. And I also know or kind of knew what to look for as far as like numbers, team retention, um, analytics in the offices and things like that. So in total, I actually looked at 12 other practices in the area. Um, it didn't work out at all of them, obviously. <laughs> um, but I certainly explored them as acquisition options. Um, being the Goldilocks that I am, you know, I was like, this office is too big. This practice has too many red flags. Um, and I decided to just build my own, which brings us here to the now. And we are now at Integrative Dental Wellness in Eldersburg, Maryland. Woot woot. Best. <laughs> and I spent about a year working with a real estate broker trying to find the right location. And this opportunity came up right during COVID. And I worked with a consulting group that specifically helps dental startups with lease, lease negotiations and all that kind of stuff. Um, after the lease was signed, it took about 10 months to get things actually built out and opened up. In fact, um, yeah, just a few days ago was my one-year anniversary from when I secured my loan and signed my lease. So wow. happy anniversary to us. Happy anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> happy anniversary to being really poor. <laughs> um, and after we do these uh, introduction episodes, as we mentioned before, we're going to go through our little mini series, which kind of chronicles the adventures of opening up the startup <laughs> and all the adventures we've experienced in the last couple months. Yep. So that's us. That's our introduction. And next time we will be featuring Dr. Michael Sue. All right. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye.